Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And this week, it's something a bit different. You might have noticed by the title of the uh, episode that this podcast will be all about the film Risky Business. And if you're a keen observer of film, you might think that came out 29 years ago, 1983. And why are they reviewing this film? Maybe you've tuned in due to curiosity. Well, I've asked Lloyd to come up with a film that he has never seen, but probably should have. You know, something that's been on TV and maybe that's a bit of a classic film. So, Lloyd, why did you choose Risky Business? I Well, I think I saw a lot of promotions for 80s films, like, like a, a TV channel might be doing an 80s run of films, and Risky Business, the scene where um, Tom Cruise slides in in his boxer shorts singing, uh, I love that old-time rock and roll. Um, I, ne- I s- sort of knew the reference, some old Tom Cruise movie, but I had never seen the movie, ever. Um and I had no idea what it was about. So that became super iconic and probably the biggest thing about Risky Business after it all. Um, (laughs) The reason I came up with this was because whenever anybody mentions Lord of the Rings, any of the films, to my wife, she always says, I've never seen any of the Lord of the Rings movies. And people are always really surprised by that because they were such sort of big films. I mean, the third one won Oscars and it just doesn't interest her, you know? Um, by the same token, it took me a long time. We mentioned I watched Avatar last week, um, but I watched it on my iPod. So it just took me a long time to watch it. I didn't really care at the time, even though it was such a big, high-grossing film, and I just wasn't interested. Um, so it's like that kind of mentality. I guess you weren't interested in Risky Business. You had no real... Like, you were a Tom Cruise fan, or...? Uh, yeah, I don't mind Tom Cruise. I know a lot of people have issues with Tom Cruise, whether it's his religious beliefs or his how what he does outside of movies, like people don't like. But I, all that aside, I think he's a phenomenal, fantastic actor. I think he, he's he's excellent. He might be eccentric and everything, but all that aside, I just have to judge him on the quality of his work. But yeah, something like Risky Business just never interested me in fact i didn't even know it was a teen movie till i started watching i was like oh it's a teen movie (laughs) (laughs) like it's set in a teenage world yeah where parents go out like home alone style he's left alone and he can do whatever he wants it it goes uh a lot um darker i guess in a sense than a lot of teen movies that i'm used to um i don't know if that's because the way it was handled Uh, i love the pacing of this movie it's very um slow and almost dreamlike the whole thing like it's just pretty like the whole movie is pretty much a fantasy of some upper class middle kid that's really what it is um and i love the pacing of it, it reminds me of a lot of american beauty by sam mendes um american but, beauty uh, though was about a man who um had never achieved sort of what he wanted by the end of his life this one is I mean, by the opening dream sequence, you know that his two primary concerns are women and going to college. Yes, yeah. Um, it's all about that adolescence. And it, it's strange because it's a upper-middle-class kid. You know, he's a very, very wealthy kid. He has a Porsche that, well, he can't take out at will, but the moment his parents leave, so to speak, the um, mice come out to play and he takes this um, excellent car of the 80s this um, Porsche and drives it all around it's just like wow okay <laughs> um, this film was a monster hit in 1983 oh it was a huge hit okay sure yeah yeah huge like 6.2 million dollar budget wow it made 10 times that made 63.5 million 
it was this the role that catapulted um tom cruise or i believe i believe it was yes okay because i know he was in taps beforehand which is like a military movie and sonic girls before yeah no I'm, i'm not sure what he's done before but um in the i read rob lowe's book about how you know he and tom cruise and various other people were coming up through the ranks and um he mentioned risky business i believe and said um that was the role that broke tom cruise's career wow to put Um, it to put it in scale of how big a hit it was i looked up a few other films i was trying to find uh, a film that had made 10 times its budget you know um for 1983 like probably the appeal of this movie was there was no internet you know and therefore the promise of seeing some full frontal naked women you know and uh in this film about and you know, teenagers and yeah yeah and this film about loss of innocence and stuff that's probably the the demographic that made the 63.5 million dollars yeah that you know? helped like animal house sort of banked on that as well and those type of movies where you had bill murray and well i don't want to say bill murray i'll say the saturday night live crew um because that extends everywhere but there'll be this you know it's just a thing of the 80s to have that nudity um embedded in there and definitely uh as you said with no internet it definitely guaranteed bums on seats no doubt exactly so um i took a look just of three films that i know made a bunch of money with a small budget and um blair witch was one of them Mm -hmm. but sixty thousand dollars it was made for made 248 million so way more than 10 times (laughs) (laughs) jaws i thought maybe jaws made about you know 10 times but eight million dollars it was made for 430 million wow again way more uh my big fat greek wedding which was made for five million dollars made 368 million dollars holy crap yeah i know so i couldn't find one off the top of my head that made 10 times its budget but for 1983 risky business was probably the biggest film Oh, yeah, in, in terms of um, budget to um, gross, yeah, absolutely. And it's the kind of film which, uh, again, people have lifted things from for years to come. In that opening poker scene with his buddies, um, it's just like the 40-year-old virgin where Steve Carell and Paul Rudd and stuff are sitting around the table and uh, talking about how he's a virgin and they find out oh, he's yep. a virgin. And it's the same sort of thing. They're all smoking cigars in this movie, Risky Business. <laughs> which i don't know where they got those cigars but anyway um and they all sort of find out he's a virgin or they presume he's a virgin at that point i mm-hmm. suppose and he's sort of claiming that he did stuff and then um he confides in his buddy as they're leaving that he didn't know what to do and you know was that after the dream sequence at the very beginning there's a woman in the shower dream sequence yeah so that's the very opening of the film yeah and then um if you look at that that, closely that's they must have spent some money on that because the shower is actually pulling away it might have been he's on a treadmill and the walls are pulling um toward us but it looked pretty incredible like the shower itself is moving away from him and Mm. he goes he walks into this hallway towards the shower and the hallway just keeps extending oh sorry the room just keeps extending and extending and uh, he has to keep walking towards the shower that looked amazing yeah i I didn't notice that shot and probably because there was a naked woman in the frame (laughs) (laughs) yeah the silhouette of her yeah it just was freaky just kept going like i was just like wow for a for an 80s uh, teen movie that's quite an exceptional thing to have in there 
I mean, the the easy one to say it's like is Home Alone, um, but it's like an adult Home Alone. You know, mm. you got your cursing, your full frontal nudity, and you're just intercoursing all over the house. Yeah, you're calling up call girls. You're having the ultimate dream. Um, you know, for a kid's dream would be protecting the house against robbers with all kinds of pranks. For a teenager, would be like, hmm, I'd, ha- I'd like to have a lot of beautiful women around my house. <laughs> Another one I thought it was like was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. If you recall in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the the thing that's lifted just from this film is the taking of the Porsche and then it getting dumped in the pier is a little bit like how it gets wrecked in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know. Mm. Um, That sort of fear that he has that his father's going to come down on him. Obviously in Ferris Bueller it's Cameron's dad, but um, yeah, similar sort of thing. This film has just, like, got a lot of moments that have been ripped off. And, I mean, even... Let's talk about the old-time rock and roll dance. Yeah. What hasn't ripped that off, you know? Yeah, it's so iconic. The Simpsons ripped it off. I know The Nanny, even, they've danced to that. <laughs> Tons of stuff. I mean, it's sort of the most classic, iconic moment. And apparently this made him a sex symbol, too. Oh, right. Just from that scene or the whole movie? Well, definitely that scene. He's just thrusting around and dancing into a sofa and stuff i mean sort of wildly improvised but yeah i guess that scene probably there was an interesting decade (laughs) i wonder if there were like ads and stuff like we weren't sort of conscious of the media and stuff in 1983 Mm. um but like following that that film i'm wondering if there were like ads where um he would slide into shot you know or somebody would slide into shot and it would be about a product you know just sort of ripping off that yeah absolutely it's like one of the best promos you could ever have to represent that kind of thing you know teenage freedom i guess (laughs) i know (laughs) there's so many more layers to it but and it's fun as well did you enjoy the Porsche ad in the middle there where he said, and that's why you buy a Porsche or whatever. <laughs> and then he looked at the camera kind of thing and he's just kind of grinned. and Early like examples a, of product placement. Yeah, definitely. I mean, <laughs> it's a Porsche. You know, you know, you know Porsche. It's a big brand. Do you reckon um, Tom Cruise was the only star out of the whole thing that really graduated? Like no one else really came even close to tom cruise in that movie he was like this dynamite engine and um well he's exploded after that movie and none of his peers or his friends or the other actors i don't think ever came close well joe pantoliano is in the film Um, he's very consistent but not as big as tom cruise no true he he's barely in this film too he's only got a few scenes playing lana's pimp and you know he's he's not that big a presence in this film he's sort of yeah he's a bit weaselly you know, and they take all the possessions and sell them back to him kind of thing. Um, but the friend of his who he's making the memo minder with, mm. he's um, from Perfect Strangers, the TV series. Yeah. 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 So, I don't know. That was his kind of graduation, I guess. And, made and he was also in Beverly Hills Cop 1, 2, and 3. True. Oh, yeah. 1 and 3, sorry. Um, what did you think of the memo minder? How good an invention. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> it seems, seems so unnecessary, doesn't it? It's, it's so simple. <laughs> really, really, guys? Yeah, you're up with middle-class kids, and that's the best you can think of. Um, let's talk about his relationship with Lana, because it's a bit um, fantasy-like, how you mentioned. Mm. 
the first time they make love, he is yeah, sort of wasn't asleep. that strange? Like she comes in, just walks into the door, and are you ready for me? And the the door bursts open, leaves come out. Like it just seems so theatrical, almost. Um, the same, the same sequence. actress. But I, I think that was a good part of the film. Like I loved it how it had those elements in it. It just was so strange. That that same actress is in American Reunion, which we've also done a podcast about. Oh, as you would recall, she play? Um, she um, she's the mother who winds up sleeping with Steve Stifler, um, and she says, "Are you ready for me, Stifler?" And it's like a quote from this. Oh, film. right. <laughs> but yeah, that whole sequence was really dreamlike. Like she lets herself in, the doors blow open, and yeah. she's all nude and stuff. And it does feel like he's making it all up. Like if at yeah, the end of this, I, I film, thought it was um, fake until he wakes up and the girl's actually there. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're watching it and you sort of think it does seem fake. But at the end of this film, if he'd just woken up in his room and none of this had happened, do you think that would have been realistic? Because it seems like impossible for all this stuff to have happened. Yeah, uh, they could have ended like that, definitely. Yeah, he could have woken up in a mental institution. (laughs) Woken up in a mental institution, I was saying, just (laughs) and it was all in his head. Um, um, it was Wizard of Oz ending. Uh, I didn't like that whole train sequence where, like, I think it's the third time you see them. Um, no, the second time you see them make love, um, and it's in that whole train sequence. Like a bit funny how he um, pulls out the um, the homeless man who's been watching them the whole time and yeah. sits him on a bench, yeah. and they get right back to it. But it just went on for so long. Like it wasn't really erotic. I guess it might have been for the eighties um, because the pacing. Uh, I guess they were used to that, but I, I just was so bored. I'm just like, oh, come on, let's move along. <laughs> I feel like films were almost simpler in the 80s. I mean, it seemed like it didn't. you didn't need too much to have a hit. For some reason, films with sort of small ideas could be, like, hugely successful, and they're classics. I mean, the John Cusack film Say Anything is about how he doesn't really know what he wants to do with his life, but he falls in love with this girl who has everything going for her and he's trying to win this girl who is clearly out of his league and he's yeah. that's the iconic film where all he does is hold a boombox up outside of her window you know and he plays oh um, yeah yeah plays uh i can't remember now what song he plays but the the thing is like there wasn't much to that they're really kind of suburban films in the 80s i feel like yeah it took a while for them to kind of graduate into i don't know ghostbusters and stuff territory you know with sort of more out there yeah, like, uh, I guess um, a, a movie that you compare um, Risky Business to nowadays would be, like, the romantic comedies now, like 500 Days of Summer, and I can't yeah. think of any other examples. <laughs> well, it is a romantic comedy, but I guess it would be, like, Pretty Woman, because it's a prostitute, you yes. know, and they kind of fall in love and and that kind of thing. But my problem with this film is that I feel like she's evil, yeah, they never really answer that at the end, which I think was one of its positives, especially at the end where he goes, were you just grifting me? Was this all just a setup? And she goes, no, but you don't believe me, do you? And it's yeah. really ambiguous as to what exactly has happened. Like, was she behind the whole time? But she's so unsettling with the facial expressions, with her... Or you lack know, of just, facial expressions. Yeah, or lack of facial expressions. Um, but I think that was a positive, how they just had that up in the air. Um, yeah, nothing's ever concrete. I guess relationships, uh, like, well, especially that kind of relationship is so complex. 
um, and Tom Cruise himself in his youth is just you know finding that out and discovering these things for himself yeah I mean what's the craziest thing have your parents ever gone away on a holiday have you thrown a party no I don't think I have I have thrown parties but I'm just not that kind of guy to do that I guess I have been to parties though where the parents went out and yeah they just threw a big party um it didn't get out of hand like that or anything like that but you do feel like this because you're young and you know the parents or the teachers aren't there you get this sense of freedom like oh Mm. my gosh we can do anything now all the things you've always wanted to do sort of like explode and everyone's on edge it's a fantastic feeling (laughs) it's the same with me my parents rarely went away if ever so i'd never have a party at their place but again i've been out to other people's parties when um the parents have been away and it's always a bit more tame than the films and stuff would let you believe like you and i have watched project x together yes um you know which is the film about how a party goes crazy and i I think america's i think it's two different cultures like the australian culture um we just don't have those proms proms is that how you pronounce it <laughs> um, are you going to prom? they really got that whole system down um or like the, i don't want to say system but they really got a, like almost like a ceremonious element of the high school years um and i look at them with envy i think we talked a bit about this with american pie and american reunion um i i got friends who went over to the states when they were young and they went to the parties and they said yeah the red cups are dead accurate and it's exactly what you see in american pie or old school and Mm. i think they just got that down house parties and everything like that maybe it's because they don't go out to clubs till 21 so they really um look at house parties as a big thing like the risky business is very different to american pie um i think largely because it's an upper middle class kid whereas uh, american pie uh, yeah about middle class children so a bit of a difference there but in australia you look at our teen movies or anything like that we really don't have um and obviously from our own experience we've never had anything like that i don't think like yeah sure we've had house parties we've had um what do we call ours um we don't call them proms we call them formals yeah <laughs> But they're nothing like the Americas. There is, um, like, uh, Australian traditions, there's uh, Big Day Out, and there's, like, Splendor in the Grass. But as well, there's um, schoolies. So by the end of the school year, you know, people go up to the Gold Coast and get drunk and fool around and stuff. And I never went to one of those. No, but there is a film that sort of captures or tries to capture that, and it's called Blurred, I think, and... Um, you know it's sort of all about people going up to schoolies and getting drunk and stuff is that an australian film yeah an australian oh, film. okay yeah. sorry <laughs> um it was good to see phil collins in the air tonight playing while that sort of scene where they're making love in the train and stuff is going on though i don't know which came first miami vice or that because miami vice the pilot of it had it's famous for having that song play through it when crockett drives throughout the night for you know setting up to kill like he just had his one of his partners betray him and the song is so fitting for that so when i saw it in this movie i'm like i don't think that (laughs) (laughs) as well it makes me think of the cadbury ad with the gorilla playing the drums (laughs) that's a great commercial yeah so they've done well (laughs) cadbury hats off to cadbury um yeah like i was saying i think my problem with this film is that she seems quite evil Mm. and that when um she sort of stays at his place 
she takes the egg and let's pretend she she obviously gives the egg to um joe pantoliano because he has it at the end in the in the truck you know um so because she gives that egg away the glass egg she's connected to him still and then um they come into his house and she convinces him to become like a pimp you know pimping out to the friends and that could have easily been joe pantoliano's scheme all along you know yep um coaxes sort of all the bond money out of these rich kids because you know they can really with all these women yep and then um she convinces him to come onto the train while they empty out all the furniture from the house you know oh, right yeah because he the train ride takes forever she's like be patient and stuff she keeps him there she keeps him on the train you know she wasn't in a huge rush to um get back because they were looting the place for furniture and you'll notice she's not there at the end when um he's selling everything back on the lawn she's not in the van the other friend is yeah. because she's definitely connected to it yeah do you reckon she feels remorse towards the end like something she feels something for um tom cruise i think or- that's what they're trying to say i mean i feel like um the movie works better if they're like a couple well yeah that end on a happier note but i think maybe you're right yeah maybe she was in it the whole uh, the whole time let's say she was in it the whole time but at the end do you feel like she feels something for tom cruise like maybe a bit of pity or maybe it might in fact be something deeper well the ending i saw there um it's that they're in the park and they're just talking and hugging and stuff like that um, bantering between each other yeah he's been accepted to princeton you know and he um they talk in the diner and she he asks her about it then you know was it sort of fake from the start and stuff and and but uh, uh, the banter at the end is that they're at the park and she says something about it's gonna be big things for both of us in our future sure is that right oh yeah i think so yeah no i I, I find it weird that they would stay together it seems like yes but tom cruise has gone through an amazing journey nevertheless despite the cost well the, he wants a girlfriend pretty badly that's what he keeps yeah. saying you know he, he's like are you my girlfriend and stuff you know so what a weird strange first girlfriend because she's so complicated like she's such a strong girl like she's a prostitute she's very young um i'm assuming she's very young like maybe she's supposed early to be 20s. his age um and um you know she's very tough like especially with the pimp um so she has a very dangerous profession she knows how to handle herself and relationships to her must be i don't know either meaningless or very complicated or you know very strange so for tom cruise who's this young kid who's you know very inexperienced with girls like it's just such deep waters for him and i love it how confident he gets like he puts on the sunglasses and he starts pimping you know trying to get guys to his house and stuff that was fantastic (laughs) yeah worked really easily didn't it yeah as well all he needed to do was put on sunglasses and have a cigarette and he was confident yeah yeah he had the gift of the gab though (laughs) what was interesting was i mean the the crossover point in this film is that he's learning about business and yet what he's learning outside of the classroom is sort of the real lesson you know um the risky business dare i say sure of uh, making his product prostitution did you um, think they um 
uh, denounce prostitution or do you, do you think they favoured it? Like, what side do you think the film was on or do you think they were objective the whole entire time? Because it's illegal in America and quite often in their moral codes they look down on that sort of thing. Whereas in Europe, for example, that would be okay, I guess, because prostitution is legal there. I felt in this movie um, they they were okay with it like there were i don't know like although they showed sort of the bad sides of the profession like with the pimp and the aggression and how they're grifting one another and no one's to be trusted and so forth um i don't know with that scene where where she's talking about how um all those guys are at the house um she's like saying oh they need the service you know they're just here for a good time it's like they're saying it's an okay it's fine and everything like that it's such a yeah. uh, dangerous Stance I felt to take with an American movie. Yeah, look, I think it's definitely celebrated. Celebrated, um, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> the, um, just just quickly, that Joe Pantoliano scene where he has the gun and yep. he kind of, she gets in the car with him and they drive away um, and he follows them and stuff. Yeah. That seemed very staged too. When you think about it, she sort of, he said to her, um, you know, go and uh, get into the car and I'll show my gun and then you'll drive off. You know, it's almost as if he's pushed her into the situation there as well. Yes. She's, she seems like, you know, she's under his thumb a bit, which is, again, why I didn't like her. But um, it celebrates it because it's saying that even this prostitute is redeemable, you know? Lana can still be the love interest for the lead actor, even mm-hmm. though she's a prostitute. It's and, saying and no that- one gets punished for it as well. There's no, like, backlash from girlfriends. Like, because all those guys are over at the house, we never see the relationships between those guys and their girls. Like, do they look down on this, what they're doing? Like, oh, how could you do this? Like, none of that is shown. Um, no. It's really sh- portrayed as these guys come over and they're just having a great time. You and know? All, the, all the female characters in this film, I mean, almost all of them are prostitutes, aren't they? Yes. Except yep. for his mum. Yeah, there's none. the 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 only woman leads are well, woman ca- female characters other than the prostitutes are the nurse and the mum, and they're mm. both shown as very unsympathetic, lifeless, robotic, mechanical people that you know don't know much about the young world. Like it almost seems like the world of the prostitutes is much more livelier than the this upper middle class world, doesn't it? Yeah. Look, definitely. And um, the other thing is, I mean, the prostitutes make it seem really fun for all the young men, you know, like they're all sort of prancing around, you know, having a good time and flirting and stuff. And I don't know, they they celebrate it. And he makes all of his money from prostitution, even though he loses it at the end. It's sort of the source of income. They're saying this can work if you figure out how to do it right. I guess Pretty Woman had that in a sense as well. Um, I mean, that 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 was more of a tale of... Yeah, that was more of a tale of, like, her own redemption, though, because he saves her in a way. You know, he accepts her and loves her, even though what she is. Yes. um, And sort of drags her up from where she is, I guess. Um, Well, I I have nothing against it. I'm just saying um, it's such a strange thing theme to have in a teen movie that made a lot of money and that has... I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, it's... I don't know, like, the, the with, with normal American Hollywood films, they're all about their values and things like that. I think that, again, that sort of makes a statement about the 80s. Because I, I think in the 80s that kids got away with more, maybe, or... Sure. 
I don't know that. Well, yeah, definitely the cartoons were much more violent. <laughs> mm. um, or maybe I'm just being nostalgic, but it's yeah, a pre-internet no, world, I can isn't see it? Some of that. It's a pre-internet world. Yeah. Now anything goes. <laughs> there's one. No, there's maybe one not with Hollywood movies, like uh, particularly Transformers and all that. They definitely got that. Uh, w- what appeals to the numbers, as you always say, but. Um, yeah, definitely with the internet world, the, the appetite for darker things are very fervent. <laughs> the um, the glass egg was an iconic part of this film. How so? Um, well, uh, it's like an expensive prop from the film, I guess. You know, the Porsche wasn't exactly a, a prop that you would have been able to get afterwards. Mm. And there's this episode of the OC, Orange County. Um, Obviously, four years of Orange County went to air a few years back, and it was an iconic show at the time that launched all those people. But there was one episode called The Risky Business, and whenever I think of Risky Business, I think about this episode, because in the episode, there's a a charity auction, and um, what happens is one of the characters steals the the egg, um, which is the egg from Risky Business. Right. Oh, like, is it f- the egg from the movie The Risky Business in the episode, or is it just an egg that looks exactly like the egg in Risky Business, and the, and it's just like the audience have to make the connection? Here is the problem. <laughs> it's exactly what you've just said. It is an egg that the audience has to make the connection about, oh, right, but it yeah. doesn't look that much like... The, like do you remember the egg from Risky Business? has like a weird kind of shape down it, kind of an yep. artsy line kind of down both sides. Sure. This this one is a perfectly round, smooth, clear crystal egg with no detail. All it is is an egg-shaped crystal. Right. And my problem with it is it doesn't look enough like the egg from Risky Business. They're selling it at a charity auction to raise money and they're saying it is the egg from Risky Business. Oh, and this is always right, yeah has always bothered me if you've ever seen the episode or if you own the oc and risky business compare them i believe it's in season two did you see risky business um at a young age or how old were you when you saw this movie oh i might have been 16 17 i rented it and watched it at home because obviously it wasn't at the cinema what made you go see it um again it was one of those films where I guess, like the point of this podcast, I thought I should have seen by now, okay. um, but hadn't for whatever reason, and just kind of picked it up on a bit of a chance. And I remember thinking, like, it was okay, but nothing phenomenal, whereas yeah. I think in 1983, people must have thought it was phenomenal. It's interesting, when we were young, TV, like, it's becoming less and less now with kids, like with podcasts and the internet and um, downloads and what have you, like, TV was such a big thing. Um, midnight movies or late movies was something that I would tape on a VHS and couldn't wait to see and that's how I saw a lot of um, movies or hidden gems discovered a lot of things like Terminator 1 was just a late night movie I had no idea about it uh, about it and we watched it and it was one of the best things I've e- I'd ever seen it blew my mind and I, I'm surprised Risky Business just went under the radar for me because as you said it was heavily promoted they would have reran it at least once every two years at least um, yeah. And I'm just shocked. I, it just it just escaped my radar because I was I was a fervent watcher of television when I was young, especially late night movies and movies. Nowadays, mm. uh, I think TV still does it. Late night movies, maybe not as much as they used to, 
but um, definitely the viewership isn't there because I feel kids um, the age I was when I was watching these late night movies on TV aren't watching television. They're downloading it or watching YouTube or playing video games or what have you. So movies like Risky Business will just not be seen. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully with... um like Australia is nowhere near America, but we have in Australia recently got tons of multi-channels, you know. So now there's more content going to air at all times of the day, you know. So maybe uh, with a few of those channels, we will see more sort of hidden gems come up. Oh, you're right too. There is Foxtel and stuff like that. And mm. yeah, no, you're you're right. Oh, but as well, like Seven Mate and Gem and stuff. Sure. I mean, they're, they're constantly playing movies. I think you told me one night... They were playing a couple of really good movies on Jam, and you thought, "Oh, the person who programs this must um, must, must be a movies, film fan, yeah. yeah, be a film buff or something." But anyway, uh, just to finish on that glass egg thought from the yep. OC, yep. they also have like a couple of scenes where they play the theme from Risky Business, like within the episode, and there's oh, a scene cool. where uh, one of the characters, Adam Brody, has to catch the egg gets kind of thrown and he has to catch it and it's identical to risky business you know so um it's clearly influenced josh schwartz and whoever else created the show yeah <laughs> well hopefully you've enjoyed this uh discussion of risky business lloyd yeah thank we, you we, for- we both thought it was a pretty good oh well you, did you think it was a good film or oh yeah i think it's okay i mean like i said i think it must have been iconic in the 80s I yeah mean, we're gonna we're gonna hear more about it 30 years on is next year 2013 so we're gonna see some kind of 30th anniversary edition oh, come out yeah they they will yeah like they've done so much with all the blu-ray editions like of jaws and of uh back to the future and you're yeah. absolutely right so well, they'll I, definitely do something for this won't they yeah i well, i assume so if they know what's good for them um <laughs> financially they'll probably put out one because it was a lot of people i'm sure would have enjoyed this and it would have hit right in that kind of sweet spot of their youth like we were saying on the american pie one we were in high school when american pie came out yeah so you know it struck a chord with us i think this must have been the same that's a really good point yeah yeah if you were in high school in 1983 i mean this would have been right up your alley i'm thinking oh absolutely i I love the dreamlike aspects of it um and, and things like that. I love the pacing of it. There were a few issues with it, but it, it was a pretty good movie. Like, it wasn't bad or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend people to go see this, but it's just so hard to get people to watch Tom Cruise movies now because, <laughs> like, I, I guess 8 out of 10 people, I'd say, just don't like Tom Cruise. And I just can't understand why they can't separate the man and his movies because he's actually a very good actor. We mentioned this several times on the um, Rock of Ages podcast, but yes, I don't yes. have any issues with him. No, it's true. And as well, this is before any of that Scientology stuff as well. So if you can watch this, you'd be more easily able you'd be more easily able to separate him from his religious beliefs and anything else you dislike yeah. about him because this is before any of that happened, really. Sure. Anyway, uh, next week on Pod Me If You Can, um, we will be watching a film that I probably should have seen by now but haven't. And again, I think we're throwing back to this same era. I'm not going to say what it is. Sure. I, I have mentioned it to Lloyd, but it's that same era, isn't it, Lloyd? Yes. Yep. And um, much like I had seen Risky Business and Lloyd hasn't, Lloyd has seen next week's movie and I still haven't as I'm recording this. So um, it will be interesting to see my first impressions of it. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, you can check out all of our old podcasts 
and find us on Twitter and all that sort of stuff. All the links to all the stuff we're doing is at www.podmeifyoucan.com. Okay, Lloyd, I will talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. All the best.